TBRI. 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 Trust-based relational intervention. TBRI is an attachment-based trauma-informed intervention that is designed to meet the complex needs of vulnerable children. TBRI uses empowering principles to address physical needs, connecting principles for attachment needs, and correcting principles to disarm fear-based behaviors. While TBRI is based on years of attachment, sensory processing, and neuroscience research, the heartbeat of TBRI is connection. Hello and welcome to the TBRI podcast. You're listening to Season 3, Episode 8. On this show, we talk all about trust-based relational intervention, or TBRI. We talk about different elements of the model itself, and also about how TBRI is applied in various systems of care and practice. I'm Emily Pickett, producer of the podcast, and I am so honored to introduce this last episode of Season 3. Today, we are taking your questions. We asked TBRI practitioners to send in questions for our team, and today they are opening the mailbag, so to speak. Our host, Sarah Mercado, is here with our colleague, Kimberly Glotty, and together they are tackling your questions. Friends, I've got to say, I really love this episode, and I fully admit that I am biased in saying that, but it just feels like sitting down for a cup of coffee with a couple of really wise, gracious friends who happen to know about TBRI. They speak from years of professional experience, but also personal experience, and as they say, we are all still on the journey. This conversation, as I mentioned, is the last episode in this season of the podcast. We'll be off for the next few weeks, and then we'll be back with a whole new season of conversations all about TBRI. Until then, feel free to go back and listen to any earlier episodes you may have missed and enjoy this conversation with Sarah and Kim. Hey, Kim, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy to be chatting with you today. Oh, Sarah, it's my pleasure. I love hanging out and chatting with you, especially when we're talking about all things TBRI. Our favorite subject. Hey, our listeners have sent in some questions for us. So I thought what we could do, if you're okay with it, is um, we'll just kind of ask each other these questions back and forth and get a little dialogue going and and see if we can't answer these kind of tough questions that people are struggling with out in the field. So I'm going to get started. Kim, what do you do? One parent is on board with TBRI and the other just flat out refuses. What the heck do we do? Yeah, um, these are all going to be like tricky. Um, I think it's uh, similar to when you're working in organizations and you'll see this sometimes where some staff are on board and some staff are not. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really is imperative to have both caregivers willing to be on the same page. I think because TBRI can be counterintuitive for a lot of folks and very different from maybe the way that they were brought up, um, having that shared vision for what you want your family to look like and how you want your family to engage with really one another, because it's not just about the child, it's how that whole family um, relates to one another. The caregivers really need to be on page. So when there's a situation where um, one is on and one is not, um, 
like I say all the time, we TBRI one another. Um, be right. curious what might be going on, um, what's pressing for this person, um, and, and try and meet their needs um, before you um, kind of address the family dynamics. So that's what I would say. TBRI, TBRI that other caregiver. Um, connect, empower, see, what, see what's going on with them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think the idea of like, it's not always going to be perfect. Mm. And, you know, there are going to be days when, when one caregiver is spot on and the other isn't. And that could be every single day and not the same. Like it could be one parent one day and one parent the next, right? Like we are doing sure. relationships and they're complicated. And I think also just the idea we talk a lot about in TBRI of it's a journey. So where I start on my ability to do TBRI, where I start, you know, with, you know, knowing my truth about myself and the why behind my own behavior, maybe a completely different place than another adult starts on their journey. And so I have to, like you said, Kim, TBRI them, bring them back in mm. and into the fold and recognize that their journey isn't my journey and we're going to hit different roadblocks along the way. That's cool, Sarah. Another um, listener uh, wanted to ask this question, which I think folds right into what you were talking about. Um, what do you mean by setting the bar? What is this bar? Mm. What does it mean to set the bar? Could you speak to that? Yeah, that's a really good one. I like the uh, the setting the bar for me. You know, uh, if if you've listened to this podcast before, you know TBRI has definitely been a journey for me. And you know, I come from the idea of uh, you know my old school way of thinking, which I'm still mindful that likes to creep up, is that you know, you're eight years old, you should be able to do this said thing. Mm. Or you're 16 years old, you should be able to do this said thing. Or whatever it is. Like, if you're in this group of kids with me, then I expect you to be able to function like the rest of this group of kids. And through the lens of TBRI and understanding trauma, we recognize the kids' individual abilities within their developmental trajectory where they are right now. And so that means that I might have an eight-year-old that doesn't have the dexterity to tie their shoes. And I'm going to set the bar lower and help them tie their shoes every single morning. I know this is coming. I have the hope that I can, you know, move forward and, um, and we can, we can gain those skills. But right now I have to set the bar where they can meet it, which is to lower it down to where I would a three or four or five-year-old for, for tying their shoes. And it might be for, a, a teen that, you know, I have expectations that that they're going to follow the rules and do what I say and quote unquote, make the right choices or um, whatever they're supposed to be doing. And I have to recognize that due to their history, they, they may not be developmentally able to. Mm -hmm. So it kind of comes into that willful versus survival idea of I need to set the bar where they can reach and achieve what I'm asking them to do. So then I can raise it to get them on track developmentally. You have something to add to that? Yeah, I love that. Um, having worked with teens a lot, um, I found that setting the bar for an easy win is so impactful, even for like their self system. So when we talk about TBRI, we often talk about how trauma affects the beliefs about the self. And 
when you're 16, 17, I'm thinking about some of those kiddos I used to work with um, in the residential, and they may have been in institutional settings for years. Um, and they may have had numerous pre uh, placement breakdowns. They may have had numerous failed attempts at X, Y, and Z. So by the time they're 16 or 17, they're just like, I don't do anything right. My mother doesn't want me. I can't go here. I can't go there. Uh, I liked this caseworker. They're gone. Maybe they don't like me. I mean, just you see how trauma affects the, their, their perception of themselves and what they're able to do in the world. And so when we, as these external regulators can come along and create a bar that they can meet, Mm -hmm. No matter what that looks like, it's like putting those yeses in the bank that we often talk about. Yes, you're good. Look at how you just did that. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited how you like kept going after that assignment. And, and now look, right? Not even talking about, you know, graduating to the next grade. We're like, you did your homework tonight. You rock. Right. Uh, <laughs> and just yeah. having that bar where they can reach it to then go after that that view of themselves that they're nothing and they're going to be nothing. Oh, that's, it's such an important addition to the idea of like why we set the bar where we do, because mm. they are just that, that belief system. You're exactly right. is so compromised. And, um, you know, teenage years are hard enough. We, oh, we already saying. have so much coming at us, right? So no, we know. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, we do girl. Um, so, Let's let's switch gears just a little bit. The um, oftentimes we get asked different questions about TBRI and culture, and mm -hmm. so one specifically that we've heard about, but I think we should talk about this maybe in the broader context, is that a lot of cultures perceive eye contact or, or their belief is that eye contact is disrespectful, which is our belief here is often that's a sign of respect, right? So. Mm -hmm. We know in TBRI that our goal is not to get eye contact as a sign of respect. It's, you know, it's a sign of connection. But how do we, when we find differences in cultures, how do we adapt TBRI to be respectful of that culture and meet the need for connection and empowering and correction through the lens of TBRI? Yeah, um, I think that's a great question. And, and um, I've seen that topic explored in various cultures. I think what's really important for us to understand that each and every culture will um, uh, adapt and come up with things that are meaningful within the culture. And whatever that, that group of people um, identify as the way that they move and operate, it is right and true to them. So um, as people from outside of that said group, what we want to just talk about is the, the importance of connection. And if from our kind of Western um, perspective or outside of that cultural spaces perspective is that if, if eye contact is not it, that's okay. What other um, um, uh, interactions or things that can be done um, to help a person kind of regulate their system? Um, it may not be eye contact. It may be um, 
a song, right? It may be um, the rhythm of a, of a mom bouncing, right? It may not be eye contact. It could just be physical touch that's more meaningful within that culture um, uh, that, that uh, communicates connection. I know I remember talking to Dr. Cross and he was like, um, you know, our, our, um, over here in the United States, we are like a, a lot of us are, um, um, you'll have to edit this because I'm umming. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of us, right, we don't show a lot of physical affection where if you go to other nations, um, you will have people who greet each other with kisses, right? Um, within that culture, that's absolutely beautiful. It's absolutely connecting. Um, but outside of that space, it might translate into something else. So we always want to honor the culture and we want to lean into what is connecting. If eye contact is not it, what do you do, right? The embrace, the, the kiss, um, the handshake, what is it that is connecting? I love that. And, and, our, we did a podcast episode with David Randall, and so people can go back and, and listen to that too. But he talked about, you know, he did a lot of work um, on a Native American tribe and how he brought, because the earth and the land is such an important piece of their culture that he would bring in using the earth and the land as part of regulation and connection. And I think there are literally endless possibilities if we are willing to open our eyes and listen and look at what other people value. It doesn't have to be what I value. And, and I might end up valuing it if I'm willing to engage, right? And so I think oh, sometimes yeah. it's just like, just listen and observe and then be creative because our goal is connection, right? Our goal isn't eye contact. Our goal is connection. So, yeah. yeah. That's great. Oh, that's good. Good, 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 Sarah. Um, yes, I, I love that. And I loved that particular podcast too. <laughs> He's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of that, let's switch a little bit. Um, we talk about seeing the need behind the behavior, right? That's one of those lines. If you know TBRI, you know that we can consistently uh, challenge folks to see the need be, be behind the behavior. But one person wanted to know, how do I know if it is sensory or a behavior or something else? Oh, man, I used to ask Marty Smith this question all the time. So I want you to know I have been to the expert. So mm -hmm. I feel good about this. I think we actually have a podcast with her too that we can reference back to. But, um, you know, Kim, I think if we try to meet needs that are within the sensory system and we don't get a response, then we have behavior. But here's the deal. When we look at, at kids through the lens of TBRI, we no longer go to behavior first. I mean, yeah. I, there, there's a gentleman in, in Alaska and he told me that their motto was to stay curious, not furious. And so anytime they felt that bubbling of like, oh, this kid is driving me nuts, it immediately triggered them to become curious about what's happening with the kid. And I think if you've, if you've exhausted sensory um, 
interventions, then you might be dealing with some behavior. But I think we still need to to pull it apart that it's not, is it sensory or is it behavior? It's what's going on that the child is expressing a need that we don't understand. Mm -hmm. And how do we meet that need? I mean, it could be that they need a nap. I wouldn't be sad about a nap right now. My behavior would probably, you know, improve today with a nap. But, you know, so it, I don't think we need to draw a line down sensory and behavior. I think we need to draw a line down is it an unmet need that could be sensory? And if it's not sensory, what is the need? Oh, that is so good. Thanks, so good. Buddy. I think it's those little tweaks, like you just said, like where's the line, whether we're talking about connection and eye contact or sensory and behavior, like we can't get caught up in this or that. Right, um, right. So, so good. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk a, a little bit about... Um, A couple of things. So what the heck do we do if a kid refuses a redo? And then I kind of want to roll into that, the the conversation about consequences. Can we give consequences in TBRI? What does that look like? So can we talk about first, like the idea of like the kid refuses a redo? What now? Because it's an Mm -hmm. easy place to say this isn't working. So Mm -hmm. let's chat through the redo first. Yeah, I think if a kid refuses to give you a redo, they're communicating, right? That that's not where they are and they need something else, right? Um, They are more stuck maybe than we thought. They are communicating a bigger feeling than a a redo will um, take care of. And so instead of getting combative and frustrated at them not moving and responding to our simple request, right? Um, it's a great time to lean in like, huh, okay, that didn't work. Well, um, a great time to then start asking choices, get them to use their words. Okay, a redo isn't gonna work. What do you need right now? Do you need a nap? Do you wanna take a walk, mm-hmm. right? What's, what's going on? Do you need, um, do you want to try and do it now? Do you want to try and do it later? And so we, we, we move up the structure a little bit, but it's not the structure to force them into compliance. Right. It's the structure to meet their need. Um, you know, we just saw a really, really cute baby. And, mm-hmm. you know, when that baby is crying and a little fussy, um, Sometimes if we start rocking them and they're still fussy, um, we may rock a little uh, bigger, right? Mm -hmm. Or pull them in a little tighter um, to make sure that they know that, hey, we've got them and we're here. And I think the same is true um, if you have a kid who you ask them to redo and they're like, F your redo. I'm not doing that. (laughs) Ah. (laughs) You need me to rock a little harder, baby boy. That's okay. I got you. I'm still here with you. (laughs) It's all good. And I think it's the, right. It's, it's almost the picture of the levels of response. Like I, I can't, somebody else asked a question about the levels that the kids don't seem to be responding to playful. And so we remember like, if they don't do the redo, that's very early in our levels of response. And so we bump up to structured, right? And that's what, exactly what you said is it's mm-hmm. just remember the redo, redo isn't the end, it's the beginning. And we know 
they're not always going to go to a redo and they may not cognitively be in a place to do a redo. So, but I, I absolutely love that about like, you know, we start to bounce them. Like we get a little more first we're swaying. We do the gentle sway. They're still, and if you could, Kim and I are on video. If y'all can see us, we're both bouncing. Like, <laughs> like we've done, like we've bounced a baby before, I guess, but um, mm. you know, and so, but it is that I love that progression and that connection back to the baby. Cause that's actually what we're talking about is see the need and meet the need and redo didn't get it this time, but maybe it will next time. Um, oh, I love that. It's, what it's a- so hard, really, Sarah, sorry. No, you're good. Because it can get tricky and this is where we must stay mindful. Um, and so I know early on in my TBRI journey, if I'm trying something new and it's not working, my, my two choices are go back to my uh, original way of doing business or go back to my original way of doing business. Right. In this yeah. right. <laughs> but, but we know that again, um, it, and, it's, and it's really because if I'm honest with myself, um, I want to stay in control of the situation. And so if I'm trying something and it's not working, I've got to get back to a place of control. And right. I know how to do power over. I, I know how to do that well. So I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm going to take that stance real quick before this train gets all the way off the track That's with right. that stuff those people try to get me to do. Um, mm-hmm. But if we can just Stay mindful out of our own head, out of our own history, always still looking at that need um, and, and being curious um, as to what's happening. Man, um, you just triggered me. We'll get a different, yeah, we'll get a different result. Yeah, not cool. Not cool. I was like, oh, dang, because when I when I first started to do redos, I was like, look, that took a lot for me to give you a redo Come in the first now. place because this this old lady grew up saying like I say it you do it and so me saying like yeah now so me saying like you want to try that again buddy was like nails on a chalkboard because it was so foreign to me and if they wouldn't take it then it was it it really I took it personally like here Mm -hmm. I am given a little um so I think that mindfulness piece into our own history is just is brilliant and so important Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um I would love to ask you Sarah Oh boy. I know because this is true. I mean, this is not easy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes even if we've been doing it for a while, some days we're just tired Um, and we don't feel like connecting. We don't have it to connect. Um, And then we can sometimes feel bad about it. Um, So like, what do you do in those situations? Um, This particular um, person said, sometimes it makes me feel like a failure that I'm hurting the child more than they are already hurt. Um, man, I just got tears in my eyes when you said that, because this is so hard. I mean, Mm -hmm. there is on our best days, parenting is hard on our best days. Parenting children who have experienced trauma is off the charts hard. And, you know, we are not failing. I, I think the idea of like failing forward, and I tell you, this one really got me because I, I literally had a situation with my youngest yesterday where I had to go back and apologize. And I was tearful. And, and when I looked at the why behind my behavior, 
my little baby is about to graduate high school and one of us is not ready. And that is not the graduate. The graduate's plenty ready, but maybe somebody else in that relationship isn't. It could be me. Um, And I realized I'm coming at her with all of my fear, with the the stress and the grief and, um, and everything that comes and she's sitting there like, what the heck just happened? And in that moment, Mm -hmm. literally it took me about 30 minutes to go, Oh, dang it. And then sometimes it takes me longer. Sometimes they have to come tell me like you want to redo, but you know, (laughs) when I went back to her, she was like, just so hurt. And I just said, you know, babe, I am so sorry. Let me explain to you what was happening with me. And, and what it ended up doing was, do I do I wish I had done it right the first time? For sure. But at the end of it, she understood me more. And now we've practiced some words when she feels like I'm getting a little emotional or I feel like she's getting a little emotional that, that we can use with each other to, to say I need a minute kind of thing. Um, but you guys, we're not failing we're not failing. We're showing up and we get to be tired and our kids are tired too. And so mm-hmm. just keep trying. It could have been, you know, I, that was a quick recognition for me. But even if it had been today or tomorrow when I went back to her, that's success. That's success. It's okay in the moment. It's it's okay. We get to do that. We are human. And our kids need to know, like Kim, you talked about the self-system. If we don't give them permission that adults don't have it together, they will, they'll never feel like they can do it and they will feel shame their whole lives. Keep going. You are doing such hard and such good work. You get to make mistakes. It's okay. Tara, why you got me all emotional? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, listen, it's going to be a rough few months around here. Friends. We're just, just no, I, I think that's so beautiful. And I think that speaks to when, when something like that can happen, I think it really speaks to progress of the whole system or the whole family for lack of a, because, because you all know the way you do business now. Right. And there's an expectation. Um, Absolutely. You guys have a pattern for how you relate to one another. And when one person is off, right, which will happen, kiddo or caregiver, like it's assumed that, oh, must be having a bad day or they mean me no harm. Right. You know, but that's only because that culture of care has already been established and created. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that it, it takes me, I'm so emotional to say, man. I don't know, girl, I got tears. <laughs> no, no, I'm not looking at you. But it takes me back to the clip sometimes we show at the end of practitioner training where Dr. Purvis is talking to her kids. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of apologizing to maybe additional pressures that they didn't ask for or you know, times where she may have aired and our kids were like we know that you wanted to be with us we know that you loved us best right you didn't have to say it mom we knew and i think it's because of that culture of care that was established so i'm saying if you know if if dr purvis (laughs) could go back and apologize and, and 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 get on get on track again with her kiddos Surely, 
there'll be times that we need to, but, but there's no shame and no condemnation. Right. Um, we're doing our very best. And when we've modeled this, our kids will know um, and understand. And we just keep moving again. And yeah. then I love it because then they can take that and offer that to other relationships. Right. Right. Um, you know, think of like circle of security, but they can offer that to other relationships as they move forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. In their adulthood. Well, and, and I mean, in that moment, it was immediately, and, and we are a, you know, she's a teenager. So we're, you know, we're at a place where I'm not giving her the responsibility of caring for me, but she can absolutely do that. And that's exceptional when it happens. And that's what happened is I got tearful talking to her. And then I got to see her practicing, you know, those four skills of relationship back. So she's giving me care. And guess what I have to practice in that moment, friends, receiving it, right? I get to practice receiving care and I get to model for her what it feels like to receive care too, and what it feels like to give care. So even in our, our mess ups, we're still modeling healthy relationships by how we manage them and they're not perfect. And, you know, Kim, and I'll, I'll say one more thing because now I can't stop talking. I'm sorry. Oh, um, you're doing great. I love it. Somebody, I'm learning. You're helping me over here. <laughs> well, listen now, that's, uh, it's real messy over here. I don't, I want to lie. Uh, I mean, this was yesterday and I've been doing this for over 10 years. Yeah. So, uh, killing it. But, um, in our last practitioner training, um, Emily always asks our participants in the virtual training, uh, what's one thing they're going to take forward with them on Friday morning? She asked this in the chat, and, and somebody literally put pattern over perfection. And when we talk about attachment, we often talk about, and you can he- hear these episodes with uh, Jamie, but we talk about, you know, we're talking about the patterns we create with our kids. We're not talking about that it happens 1 million percent of the time. We're talking about creating patterns of relationship. And I just love the idea of pattern over perfection. So when I go in and I am a blip off the pattern, then I can go back and repair that. And it's okay. We don't want perfection because our kids can't do it. And neither can we. So uh, I just love that. Um, Love that. Dr. Cross would often say, um, it's better to err and repair than to never have erred at all. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Beautiful. So, um, got the feels over here. I know, I know. And the (laughs) next question I was looking at is not very feeling. So, um, we'll, we'll let, we'll give everybody a break from their feelings for a minute. Um, I mentioned it a little while ago and then, then we skipped around. Um, a lot of people want to know, do we still give consequences with TBRI? And I know for, for me in my early days, or <laughs> that sounds funny. Uh, for me, when I first started, you know, parenting and interacting with kids professionally, which was before I was a parent, consequences were, were how I got behavior change. So if you take those from me away from me as an adult, I feel a little bit like a fish out of water. So what's the deal with consequences? Man, consequences. The answer is yes. (laughs) We still give consequences. We need to give consequences. Consequences help to keep us safe. Now, here's where we need to talk. 
She's about to drop it on you, friends. Here it comes. <laughs> is are we talking about consequences? Are we talking about punishment? You know, and my spiel always is um, when we are giving consequences or shaping behavior, our number one objective has got to be from a stance of teaching. Mm. What are you teaching in offering this opportunity to shape a behavior? Are you teaching or are you punishing this kid for having a hard time? Right. Yeah. Right. What are you teaching? Um, and so when you don't give consequences, it um, really helps people to feel unsafe. I think of, I say this all the time as well. Man, if our world had no laws, no structure, and there were no obvious um, follow-up to breaking those laws, what would this society be like? Mm -hmm. Like, so if somebody could just come in and steal stuff out of your home and there was no punishment for that. There was no uh, consequence, uh, follow-up behavior or action for stealing stuff out of your home, then people would steal all the time, right? So consequences really help our world to be safe. And when you're talking about a kid, they understand that safety is there when concept boundary structure is there. We often talk about structure and nurture. Um, I remember a kiddo telling me one time they were coming from one facility to an ours and, um, and we were going over the expectations um, of the facility. And I think there was one incident and they were able to see the consequences of that kiddo who, um, you know, went outside the boundaries. And that kid came back and said, man, I sure feel safe here. Right. Wow. Because they know there are boundaries right. which will keep the person safe mm -hmm. and that environment safe. And especially when you talk about people with a history of harm, where it feels like there was a lot of boundary crossing <laughs> without uh, yeah. permission and unexpectedly um, consequences really are uh, an idea of structure um, and and helps people to feel safe and then learn how to do something in a way that's really going to get their needs met moving forward. So yeah. yes, yes, and yes. Just please make sure, ask yourself, ask yourself before you give it, right? <laughs> is this about right. me, my history, or is this about the kid? Am yeah. I teaching or is this really an act of punishment? And I have done them all. I've done them both. Oh, and girl. talk about a redo where I was mad and in my feelings and I'm saying, you're never going to do this. You're never, I mean, these <laughs> are my personal children, right? <laughs> my kiddo did something really weird and I just like took away her whole social life for two years. I'm like, for the next two years, you'll never go out of this house. Oh yeah. How'd that work for you? <laughs> <laughs> then I'm like, Hey, wait a minute. You need to move around. <laughs> yeah. I think I need a moment where you're out with your friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So I had to go back and do something differently. And I knew at that point, it was like, you hurt me. So I'm trying to hurt you. And if you acted like what I said wasn't hurting, I'm coming down stronger and heavier. Right. That's and I think that's, God, Kim, that's just, I feel like that's, that's just it. And it, that was a really hard thing as I was on my journey of understanding, you know, more of my history and links back to my attachment style and why I do stuff yeah. was like the reality was sometimes the consequence was about getting back at the kid. Like it wasn't oh, for freak. them. It was for me. And I, I hate that. I have grieved that, that I ever had that thought, but that's the truth. It was like, you hurt me. So watch this. I have power. I'm the adult. I, you know, now understand where my power and control issues mm-hmm. <laughs> originated and why I had them. But, um, you know, is it, I, I love the idea of, is this for me or is this for you? So if, if I'm truly giving a child a consequence, then it's because I want them to understand the right way to do something, not just pay for doing it wrong. So maybe the consequence is to write a note of apology. Maybe the consequence is to repair what was broken. Right. And it's not just, you're not going out because I've done that too, Kim. I've been like, you want to go on and pass me your cell phone? Mm-hmm. I'll take that for the next month. <laughs> I'm like, oh. And then get mad because you can't reach him. Well, you got right. the phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't get you at school because I have your phone right here. So, yeah, is it for the kid? And if it is, is it connected to them learning how to do mm-hmm. what it is that they didn't do the right way the first time? Yeah. Kim, let's wrap it up with one final question. I know it's your turn to ask, but I'm, I'm stealing. Uh, go, go with permission. Okay. <laughs> what What do you think? We see a lot of really horrible things and we hear a lot of horrible things. What gives you hope? What do you think gives even the team at the KPI CD hope? Why do we, why do we keep doing it? Oh, it's when the change happens, the small, aha, the light bulb goes off where someone is willing to be uncomfortable for a minute to challenge how they've been thinking, maybe even challenge how they were raised Mm -hmm. and be willing to consider something different. Yeah. I live, I mean, those are the moments where it's like, aha, oh, I get it. I can recall many times you know sitting in a training and i've trained a variety of folks and sometimes people are in the back with their arms folded on day one right right oh yeah <laughs> and they're like sure. just like you I know was. you can just imagine <laughs> what's going on in their head this but uh-huh. this is dumb right and but but by maybe day two and you can just see literally in their body structure and their engagement. And then if they come up and say, oh my goodness, thank you. And I guess Sarah, like you just hit it because I was that one. Right. Right. I think that's what it is. I was that one, like, why do I have to be here? Me being here for two days means more work for me. Can you imagine what my inbox is going to look like when I get back on Monday morning? And it was me sitting in that room where 
my personal life changed because what they were Darren, what Darren Jones at the time was talking about on stage helped me to make sense of the world that was going on in my home and the the chaos, like I couldn't understand it, but he provided an answer for me. And it was it was that moment for me. And I think that's what keeps me going when I see yeah. people or they um, even share with me like, man, you really helped me to figure out something in my yeah. life. Heck yeah, man. That's what it's all about. I've, I've always thought that TBRI isn't about the kids. The kids, the kids' behavior has been the same for years and years and years. And so I've always thought TBRI was about changing adults so that we can meet the kids' needs. Mm-hmm. And so I think that moment, I think it's the same for me as when the adults catch it and get wind and, and begin to really feel like, you know, this, this role that they have literally abandoned themselves to step into in so many ways of... <sighs> caring for these kids and and you know and in the hardest of circumstances and then they are willing to make that shift and i just think that's that's beautiful and it's a brave place to be and even we talk about the journey all the time that journey is not easy no um it's not easy so yeah that that, that's what gives me hope every day no matter no matter who i'm talking to who i'm working with what group what population it doesn't matter it's that it's the change the light bulb it's the aha and and what an honor it is for us to Mm. get to work with such brave adults yeah what an honor like you sarah and like you kim you're brave (laughs) and i'm i'm thankful for this time kim i'm literally going to open up the calendar and find a spot when we can do this again for for future episodes just so good. Thanks for joining us today. Yes. Thank you. Be well, everybody. Stay safe and stay connected. The TBRI podcast is produced by the Karen Purpose Institute of Child Development at TCU. To learn more about TBRI and the resources mentioned in this episode, please visit child.tcu.edu slash podcast.